I've titled this sermon this morning, Under the Shadow, and you'll see why as we go through the text. Here's a question for you. What could be more secure and more comforting to a child who is frightened of the, of the thunderstorm and the lightning and the crashing than the strong arms of a mom and a dad? Where do they go when they're scared? They come running to you. Maybe they're screaming, maybe they're yelling, maybe they're crying, but they need you and they want you. And you provide that sense of safety and security for them in your arms. This, this need for safety and security is a basic human need. It's something that God recognizes early on here in Philippians 4.19. And the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. God wants to meet you at the point of your need. It's not just money. It's where your heart is. It's where your emotions are. It's what's making you anxious and stressed and maybe depressed. It, what, it's what brings you to tears. It what hurt, it's what hurts you and what brings you great joy. God wants to help you in those points. The way he designed you and the way he created you you have needs that go beyond the physical. Our text tells us this morning that God created a safe place for us through the insecurities and dangers of life. That text reveals that place is under the shadow of God's love and God's care. Let's uh, stand together with me as I read to you Psalm 91. One of my favorite psalms, I have spoken from this psalm on a number of occasions over the years, but I felt compelled uh, to share with you again this morning. Psalm 91 up here on PowerPoint. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth, shall be thy shield and buckler. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon thee, therefore I will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's break down this chapter into digestible pieces. There are uh, a number of promises made. I'm only going to share 10 of the 24, I believe, promises that are made. So uh, let me begin at verse 1 before we get to the promises. Verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Who's the he? 
Yeah, it's you. You're the one that dwells in the secret place. In every person who is close in fellowship with Christ, those who trust in the Lord have experienced his peace. You have. You've experienced his comfort. You've experienced his joy, and you've experienced his presence. How many of you had those experiences with the Lord? Say amen. Hello? Amen. Do I have to get the mirror and put it under your nose again and find out if you're breathing? How many of you have experienced the peace and the joy of the Lord? I guess you have. When the storms of life threaten, you know you're not alone. As we pray and meditate on his word, we tap into the secret source of the protective nature of the living God. This person living under God's protective shadow is sheltered by the umbrella of his love, his kindness, and his strength. God is watching over you, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of what's happening in your life. He's watching over you. We had a wedding yesterday. God was watching over that wedding. Was it yesterday? I was close. It felt like yesterday. It was so vivid and so wonderful. But God was over that wedding. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. It's one thing to repeat, the Lord is my refuge a refuge, but it's another thing to say that God is your refuge. In other words, when you say that God is your refuge, this becomes personal, and that's exactly the way God wants it. His relationship to you is a personal relationship. Jesus died on Calvary for you to have a personal relationship with God. He's not the God that's a way out there that doesn't care. He's not a God who doesn't care about your situation. He cares about every aspect of your life. To God, it's personal. Verse 2 refers to the Lord as our refuge and our fortress. In the psalmist's day, if an army was under attack, they would be at the strategic advantage if they were behind walls of a strong fortress high up on a hill. When we were in Italy a couple of weekends ago, we saw the reality of that. There were so many hills in Italy, and atop almost all of those hills, there was a fortress of some kind, the high ground. If enemies would have come, they'd attack the village down in the valley, but the people in the fortress up there were safe. Now, if there was enough time, the villagers themselves would get inside the fortress. If you were inside the fortress, you were protected. If you are on top of the walls of the, of the fortress, you could fire down at those who were attacking. You had the military advantage. When you have Christ in your heart, when you are being sheltered by Jesus, you have the emotional and the spiritual advantage. If you don't have him in your life, you are you're out there with no walls of protection round about you. You're just out there, and you're in a disadvantage and an extremely vulnerable place. When Christ is your stronghold, your protective wall, you are an advantage, not only to survive assaults, but also to be more than conquerors of the things that would otherwise drag you into despair and defeat. Verse 2, the psalmist says, My God, in him will I trust. Who do you trust? So many people have been trusting in the stock market. Was it a good idea? <laughs> it don't look so good now, but you have to leave it there. Some people trust in education. Some people trust the government, their family, their social security check. But the only one that the believer can trust in is Jesus. He'll never let you down. How many of you have been let down by Jesus? I don't see any hands and I don't see, hear any amens. We've not been let down by Jesus. 
The Lord says, trust me. And in time, you'll see when you had doubts, I was there. He says, trust me, in time you'll realize the plans I had for you were so much better than the ones you had for yourself. He said, trust me, together we can get through anything. But what you've got to do, your part, is you've got to trust me. When you can't see me and you don't understand, trust me. In our text, the Lord makes 23 promises to those who stay close to him and trust him. Here are 10 of those. Promise number one, verse three. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. These are things that catch you by surprise in your life. A fowler is a bird catcher. They sneak up on their prey and catch them when they're unaware. Life's like that. It's full of surprises that can catch you unaware. Things that you're not prepared for. Emotional crises that you're not aware of. A midnight call, one of the worst things you can get is being in bed and the telephone rings. You don't think anybody's saying, hey, how you doing? Just wanted to catch up and see what's going on. It's midnight. What do you mean by that? When you get a midnight call, terror strikes your heart. You can lose your job. These days, people are losing their job. I understand that some corporations are looking to get rid of as many hourly workers as they can. It's a scary thing. Sometimes you lose a loved one. Sometimes you have a financial uh, turnaround. Just as you thought you were getting a top on top of things, something happens, and to quote an old theological term, bada bing, bada boom, you're on your back and looking up. The Lord would have you to relocate from your back to your knees and go to prayer. And then he wants you to get up from your knees and stand on your own two feet so he can walk you out of the situation you're in and get you to a better place, get you from despair to hope, and give you the courage that you're going to need to go on. He made you a promise, and what you have to do is claim it. Here's what he says in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded thee, be strong, be of good courage, be not afraid, me, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. God is with you. He's never going to leave you. Before you became a believer, you were all by yourself in the universe, all by yourself in the cosmos. You say, Pastor, I've got family, I've got friends, they're very close, I've got this, I've got that. But when you put your head on the pillow and you go to sleep, you're all by yourself. And sometimes you can be in a crowd and still be all by yourself. But as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you. And in that regard, you are never alone. And nobody could ever get any closer than, to be, than where the Holy Spirit is in you. Promise number two, verse five. The Lord says, don't fear the terror by night. Those are the things you cannot see. You can't see worries you can't see anxiety. You can't see insecurity. You can't see fear. They're like a bad dream. And when you wake up from those things, they disappear. What's the reality? The reality is 95% of what you worry about does not happen. Say with me, 95% of what I worry about does not happen. The other 5%, you're not going to be able to do anything about anyhow. Worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair and you rock back and forth and you think you're getting somewhere. But you ain't. 
And when you worry about things, you think you're going you're to be able to solve the problem, but you're not. Jesus promises to displace those anxiety-producing nightmares with a healthy dose of his peace. Listen to what he says in John 14, 27. This is Jesus. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When he uses the word let, that means you have a part in this freedom. That means there's something you can do about it. You've got to let go. It means you're, class, you're, you're grasping onto something. You're holding onto something. You got it in a bear hug. And you won't let go of it. It's your anxiety. It's your fear. It's your worst nightmare. It's the things you think are going to destroy you. And what does Jesus say? Let go. That's your part. To let it go and give it to Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. He's going to give you a peace. And you're going to say, I should be going through a real nightmare right now, but I'm not. Somehow I've got this feeling that everything's going to be all right. Promise number three, verse five. Don't fear the arrow that flies by day. The arrow that flies by day. These are the things you can see. Things you can see. They come at you fast and furious. How many people here like change? I don't mean change that you put in your pocket. I mean the reality that things are not always going to stay the way you hope they had. Most people love the status quo. Most people don't like change. People in church don't like change. People in business don't like change. And most people in general don't like it. New challenges can be fearsome. Tests can be fearsome when you're in school. Temptations, upcoming surgery, a new job. You see them out there on the horizon and you're sure that these challenges that you're looking at are much bigger than you are. And maybe they are. And surely they are. It's not the size of your challenge. It's the size of your God. You may not be up to this challenge, but God is. You may be filled with fear, but God wants to give you peace and security through this time. You're not helping yourself, and you're not helping anybody else when you are an emotional a, a disaster. God's got to help you, and he's promised that he will. Jesus told his disciples not to fear. He would go before them. Nothing is impossible when God is in it. Promise number four, verse six. Don't fear what treads in darkness. Darkness. These are the things I say that you cannot understand. You know you're at this point when you ask God, why me? Have you ever asked God, why me? Why is this happening to me? It's at this moment God's purpose is hidden from your understanding. And it's at this point where trust in God is truly tested. When you don't understand what God is doing in your life, when you don't understand what's happening in your world, when these things come on you, this is the time that God is being tested. And this is the time God is testing you. Can we trust him to be in the driver's seat of a situation we can't understand? Remember the Old Testament account of Joseph, whose brother sold him into slavery? How many times do you think he cried out to God and asked, God, why me? Why are you letting my brothers do this to me? When he finally was face to face with his brothers, here's what he said. Genesis 50, verse 20. 
But as for you, you thought you intended evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Adversity can be a great teacher. The lesson for the believer is in time you will see God had a plan and a purpose in everything you're going through. We need to be reminded that when you can't understand it, then you've got to faith it out. Faith it out. Give God an opportunity. We want instant responses. We want, as our car drives up the lane, we want our burgers in 13 seconds. And by the way, if you fear the, 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 the number 13, you have triskaidekaphobia. What are you afraid of? We want our burgers right now. We want our, where is she? We want our chicken right now. We want everything right in here and right now, but it doesn't work that way. If you've lived long enough, you know that some things are going to drag on. You're not going to get an instant response. That's when you need to faith it out and give God an opportunity to reveal what he's up to. Promise number five in verse 13. He promises to tread upon the lion. These are the powerful old sins that you've dealt with for years. Over time, with God's help and a lot of prayer, they have become toothless, crushed under our feet. You've wrestled with some sins in your life, and you've seen them defeated. God did that. These are the things that you dealt with. There are some sins we deal with all our life. Promise number six, verse 13. He promises to tread upon the adder, you know, the snake. Illustrative of those habit-forming sins, we've allowed to slither their way into our lives. Over time, their poison has entered our bloodstream, and they become habits. Over time, those habits have defined our character. If not crushed, they will define your destiny. You will become, you will become a disciple of these evil things, of these tests that you, and these sins that you won't. You will become a prisoner of certain sins. There are certain sins that corrupt your soul, that corrupt your mind, they take hold, and they are habits, and they will not let you go. They actually become a prison into which you are committed, and you will be there as long as you don't break out. What a life. Prisoner to a habit that won't let you go. And the Bible says that he promises to deal with that snake. Isaiah 54, 17 no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. God's made a promise that the two of you together can break the hold that this thing has on you. What holds you? What holds me? What am I prisoner to? What are you prisoner to? There is freedom in Christ. Promise number 17, verse 13. He will defeat the young lion. Those are new sins that are even more powerful than the old ones, the new temptations. So powerful they could kill in a single swipe of claws ready to ensnare. New doubts, new fears. There are some drugs that have come across the border we hear about. I don't remember their names. Who? Fentanyl. Thank you. She's 100 years old and she's telling me. Thank you. Be careful. <laughs> Fentanyl, so powerful that just a couple of drops can kill hundreds and hundreds of people. Powerful things. Young people are being sold a bill of good about so many social issues that are going to trap them, that are going to ensnare them. 
They're going to capture them. They're going to bind them. That's why it's so important to get young people to come to know Jesus Christ and then be part of the family of God. Promise number eight, verse 13, he will defeat the dragon, monsters, enemies of God. We know about the Antichrist. But imagine if you were living 75 years ago when Hitler was around, a monster. Or Mussolini, for us Italians, uh, and what was he doing uh, to us? Uh, not good. And Stalin, and so many other corrupt corporate executives and corrupt politicians and cruel, godless, cruel, godless leaders. Acts 17, 31. He has appointed a day in which, we will judge, in which he will judge the world. God will not be mocked. There will be an accounting. These people think they're getting away with all this stuff. Whoever they are that are busy trying to corrupt the young people in our, in our, in our society, they think they're getting away with it. They think they're winning. They think they've got it. But I'm going to tell you something. A day is coming when they will have to answer to the great judge. And they're going to be in trouble then. Repent. It's time to give yourselves over to Jesus Christ. Promise number nine, verse 15. He will be with you in the days of trouble. In times like these, it's easy to forget Jesus loves and cares for you. There is a tenderness to Jesus' love that is really what we need at certain critical moments of our life. You can see it as he mourns over Israel's sin and rejection of those he loves. If you remember, Jesus was rejected by his own family. Jesus was rejected by his own race of people. Can you imagine the loneliness of Jesus in his ministry? Many people came to him. Many people flocked to Jesus. Many people wanted to hear. Maybe people just wanted to touch Jesus for healing. But then there were those who rejected him. I don't know about you, but it seems to me if you're in a crowd and people are saying nice things about you, nice things about you, and, and then all of a sudden somebody comes up and says something not nice about you, what do you remember? Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 37, as he looked mournfully out from a hill over the valley at the people of Israel. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under his wings. He knew what people were going through, and he wanted to do whatever he could to protect and love and embrace people. You know, there's so much more to our hugs than we know. There's something emotional there's something about breaking that barrier that separates us one from another. It's a lot. You come up with certain people, and you, you come close to them, and you get within a certain amount of space, and what happens? They back up. You've broken that, per, that place of being, of being secure in your little envelope. And so a hug kind of breaks that special place and allows somebody else to come in. Jesus wanted to do that to these folks the people who were going to crucify him. He wanted to embrace them. He just didn't love the ones who loved him. He loved his enemies. Jesus has his father's tenderness in verse 4. Our text offers us protection under his wings, in his shadow, close to his heart. And number 10, verse 11. The verse says, he shall give his angels charge over thee. He shall give his angels, plural, charge over thee. Hebrews 13, 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Here's a story I've read to you a long time ago. 
Among the U.S. Marines who fought against the Japanese in World War II was a 21-year-old corporal, William Devers, who considered himself an agnostic. No amount of arguing, Bible quoting, or coercion by his fellow Marines or the chaplain could sway him. During the company's first major encounter with the Japanese, a number of the unit were killed, and the chaplain was wounded. In great, cha in great pain, the chaplain called to Devers, my, my, my left pocket, take it, take it, please. Last night I had a dream. In the dream, an angel appeared and told me I had to make you take the Bible. Take it, son, please. Devers shoved the Bible into his shirt pocket to satisfy the wounded man. Twenty minutes later, Corporal Deaver's squad stumbled right into a Japanese patrol, and before he knew what had happened, he was on the ground, his mind fading into darkness, certain he was dying. When he came to, he felt a ripple of pain shot through his chest, but there was no blood. The bullet had torn through the Bible he carried in his pocket, ending its journey at the book of Psalms, chapter 91, which read, a thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Saved. Saved by the Bible. Psalm 91 could be referred to as God's emergency number, his 911, because it promises to apply the desperate moments of anyone's life. As one author put it, most men live lives of quiet desperation. How many people here this morning are living in desperation? Not letting it see on your face, not letting it be heard in your words, but deep down inside, you're in turmoil. Those desperate hours come to all of us, times we don't know where to turn, for the believer in Christ, there is a hiding place. There is a refuge. There is a source of strength and safety. But you must access that secret place of peace and victory over despair when you step under the shadow of the Almighty. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you this morning. Let's pray. And this morning, Father, if there be anyone here who needs your touch spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, in any area of our life, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if there's somebody this morning who just feels the need of God's presence in their life, who is going through a difficult time and you feel like it's a struggle and you can't handle it and you just want God to help you, may I pray for you this morning? Would you raise your hand and give me the privilege to be able to help you? Raise your hands high. Yes, 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 you're struggling. You need God's help. Father God, there are a number of raised their hand this morning. We know, Lord, that sometimes just life gets out of hand. Just life just kind of comes in on us like a, like a wall falling on top of us after an earthquake. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you would be with each one of these. Visit them with your Holy Spirit's presence. And I pray, Lord, if there are those who are filled with doubts this morning or fear this morning or worry this morning, anxiety, whatever the label that applies, I pray, Lord, that you would touch them at that point of need. 
Let them know that you keep your promises if we will reach out and claim those promises. And so help us, Lord, to be faithful, to claim your promises. And then another question. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you want to know the one that never leave you and never abandon you, and you want to receive Christ as your Savior this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and pray with me. You don't know Christ as Savior this morning. So, Father God, we pray your blessing upon the words that were said because they are your words from your book. Not my words, but your words. And you've promised that your word shall not return void, that if there are those who have a need and they put themselves in your hands and allow you to help them to get through, that, through to a better place, you'll be there. Thank you for being there in every instance in our life. And we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.